You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad and we try to bring you stories of ordinary people living ordinary lives that have a Canadian and an Irish connection from time to time. And here uh, we're delighted that we have Seamus and Michelle Hennessy to talk to. And Seamus is from that part of Ireland known as the Rebel County. And uh, they, they were looking at doing their own passport there a few years ago and we talked to John Spillane about that. Uh, I think that was the year of the gathering. And Michelle is from the ghouls down in Newfoundland. Uh, I don't know what you say. It was it probably a marriage made, maybe in purgatory, we won't say in heaven. But anyway, we'll find, we'll find out. Seamus and Michelle, thanks a million for coming along for a chat. Thanks a million, Austin. Thank you. Great to be here. So, first of all, uh, Michelle, maybe you'll tell me how you tripped across Seamus. Um, well, I lived in Dublin. I moved to Dublin in 2000, and then, I guess, 2012, I played a lot of tag rugby, and in 2012, we played against each other, and that was it. <laughs> he chased me. <laughs> she showed on so I could catch her. <laughs> So he lived in Cork at the time, and I lived in Dublin, so we commuted. Okay. He commuted up yeah. and down mostly. Travelled up every weekend, or we had weekends away, and just went from there, basically, and that's it. Fell in love, and that just couldn't be apart, and that's it. And then, well, Michelle took a year off at the time, and um, we travelled for a year, and she came back, and at the end of the year, then we said, if we're still together, and the whole year Michelle was away, we were... Skyping every day and WhatsApping and talking and we just got stronger and stronger and when she came back to the year then we, we decided we were going to live together and moved on from there. Brilliant. So, Michelle, what had what brought you to Dublin? Uh, yes, Universe, but what, what brought you there? Like, what was the the link? Um, it was my fine... Well, I actually moved to Glendalough the first summer. So, Glendalough in County Wicklow. Yeah. Um, so it was my final year in university. I was about to start it, so I thought I'd go off and have some fun for the summer before I went into my final year and had to get a what I thought a real job. So I went to Glendalough uh, in Wicklow and worked in the hotel there for the summer, and I and loved that was it. In, so that wasn't in the Wicklow Heather, was it? It was right. It was, no, it wasn't the Wicklow Heather. It was the Glendalough Hotel, okay, just across, down the road. Heather. Okay, okay. Right in the middle of the national park, the hotel is. Right. So I like hiking and things. So when I applied for the job from Newfoundland, I thought that was the perfect place to go. Um, and then I came home and finished my, I have a commerce degree, Bachelor of Commerce, and finished my degree at Memorial University. And then I moved back to Ireland. And I moved to Dublin that time uh, because I had to get a real job to pay off my student loans. <laughs> so from there... I worked in, it was mainly um, accounts payable at the, at the beginning, and then I moved into hedge funds for okay. 13 years. Okay. So when you moved over, uh, we always hear about these student exchange or the international exchange program visas. Was that how you were able yes. to go to Ireland, one of those? Uh, yes. Yeah. The, it was SWAP, Students Working Abroad Program. So the first and the second year, I was able to go on a student work visa. However, then I started coming into problems because basically I needed visas to stay. And it, it, it took a lot of work, actually, to get the visas. So that's kind of how I ended up in hedge funds. At the time, they uh, 
I guess any employer in Ireland had to prove that there was no European to do the job that they were hiring me for in order to get the work permit. So back in 2003, 2004, it was during the Celtic Tiger and the economy was booming in Ireland. So I was able to get uh, my employer, who were later bought by Citibank, were able to, buy, to sponsor me by proving that there was no European for the job. So I stayed there, and it took me 12 years, actually, to get citizenship. I don't know uh, what, what, why it took so long, but it, it took a long time and a lot of applying. I applied seven or eight times and got denied, uh, but I finally got it in 2012. And you didn't have to? And then to. I met him after. And, <laughs> after and you, didn't, you didn't have to go into direct provisioning? No, no, <laughs> no direct provisioning. <laughs> I was all good. <laughs> So, so then, Seamus, uh, your first trip to Newfoundland would have been after you met Michelle. It was. It was uh, December 2013, I think it was. That was my first one over, like, you know. And uh, it was a fantastic place altogether. Like, you, you can't get better people. Apart from Ireland, you can't get better people, like, you know. They're oh, really yeah. nice here. I have good friends down in Bay Bulls there. So. Oh, yeah. Not far enough. So, um... Then, after you guys connected in Ireland, uh, you settled where? In Dublin? No. No, actually, um, it, it, it was a bit complicated because when I left for the year to go traveling, I sent all my stuff back to Newfoundland, and the plan back then was for Seamus to come here. So he had applied for a work permit, and... Unfortunately, he he got the work permit, but he wasn't able to find a job, and he had a very good job in Cork, so it was hard for him to he he couldn't really leave a a job, a permanent job, to come without anything in Newfoundland. Right. So then I decided, okay, I've already left Dublin, so we'll move to Cork. So that's when in two thousand August two thousand fourteen, I moved over to Cork. Okay, okay. So then, Seamus, what did you study? Uh, I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree in uh, UCC, okay. University of College of Cork, yeah. and I finished that at about 2000, and um, I got a job working in a chartered accountant's office, and uh, I really didn't like it. I uh, stuck it for about a year and a half, and um, every day I'd go home from work, and I just said, no, I, it's not for me, like, you know. So after about a year and a half, I got out of that. Didn't really know what to do, so at the time there's a Cork Institute of Technology there. They do courses if you want to retrain in, in a different career, basically, like you know, short course, say like 18 months. And I did a course in uh, science and this thing called good manufacturing practice, you know, that's a pharmaceutical company use. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did six months in college. I had a six month work placement in uh, GlaxoSmithKline. They're a pharmaceutical company in uh, Ringerskiddy in County Cork. And then I had another six months back in the college. And uh, when I came out of that, then I ended up getting a job with LaxoSmithLine again. And I've been there about 12 years now altogether, like, you know, right. and love it. Very, very happy there, like, you know. Right, right. So a question to both of you and take it whichever way you want, because from an Irish perspective, <coughs> Cork has a very individual character, as they say, it's the rebel county. <laughs> And from a Canadian's perspective, Newfoundland has a very individual personality. Um, the, the personality of these two places coming together, it must, you must have found it interesting, each of you. That's for sure. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's funny, actually, because it took me a long time to get used to even the slang in Cork. I had, oh, even yeah. after living in Dublin for 13 years before I went to Cork, I had no idea what they were saying to me. <laughs> even Seamus' young nieces and nephews, they, they used to talk to me, and I'd be like, what? What did you say? <laughs> no idea. And then Seamus would have to translate, and... Yeah, just, I guess, the lifestyle, too. I lived in city centre in Dublin, so moving from that to to uh, a quite. suburb in, quite suburb in Cork was quite the change, for sure. Yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't such a big change for me, because uh, I grew up on a, far, on a dairy farm. My dad's a dairy farmer, yeah. and uh, Michelle's brother is a dairy farmer here, so... Um, it's basically it's like like for like really like for me like you know, and uh, so it's not much of a difference. But the people here are fantastic. But again, the, you know, I, I did struggle like, to understanding people. They have their accents as well, and uh, when her brothers are talking together and they're talking really fast, I can't understand the word they're saying like you know. But um, her dad is from um, Renews up the Southern Shore, oh, okay, and yeah. when we go there and I and I hear people talk, it's they're as Irish as you can be basically like you know. Yeah, that's like all the Hern country up there. It, it is, is the Hurricane Yeah. It certainly is, yeah. That's right. And Seamus O'Regan, of course, is from Renews as well. Um, All right. So, um, oh. then, Michelle, have you learned how to do Pana? Patrick's Reef. Patrick's Reef. No. No, I've shown her all across now, like she knows, uh, you know, the English market and Cove and I'm all this. I'm still getting lost over Well, actually, since I've been to Cork, I've been sick, so I haven't gotten to explore it as much as I would have in Dublin, for example, when I was in Dublin. That is true. So I basically go in there and go where I know. And don't do too much exploring. So, <coughs> Michelle, talking about your illness, and you say since you went to Cork, you haven't had the ability to explore the same way. Um, yeah. I'm not going to try and pronounce uh, your, what you're suffering from, but so will you pronounce it for me? Sure. It's well shortened. It's ME, um, but the long version is myalgic encephalomyelitis. Okay. And tell us a little about. One it is. it is, and I'm not going you to even repeat it back, so okay, I'm just so going to say, tell me about it. So, what are the implications, or how how, how, what, how does it affect your life? Um, well, I guess the biggest change I found is I had to slow down. I'm not, a, uh, as I had said, we had met, myself and Seamus had met playing tag rugby. I was really active. Six days a week, I'd go to the gym. I would run during lunch break. I'd play tag rugby a couple of nights a week after work or after the gym. Um, went on hiking holidays, ski holidays, surfing holidays. So I had a, traveled a lot. Um, and then that all came to an abrupt stop because, because of this. Uh, and I guess it probably happened in between... I'm not sure. Maybe before I left Dublin, I was starting to feel unwell. And then that's kind of what pushed me to take the year off to see if I could improve my health. But I think when I started to slow down, that's when I really got sick and the ME started acting up. But again, at the time, back in 2013, I had no idea what it was. I just thought I was getting lazy or old or or something, I just didn't didn't know what was going on. Um, but then it didn't really hit. I had actually broken my foot in the same place twice, two years in a row, 
which also slowed me down. down. That was um, 2012 skiing on a ski trip, and then again in 2013 on a surfing trip. And then in two, later in 2013, I fell over the stairs in Canada, and that's when I kind of discovered there's got to be something wrong because I tore ligaments in both arms, uh, broke my fingers, had tendons torn, and I was in rough shape for the winter here. Um, and then I never really recovered after that. So when I moved to Cork, it wasn't until I had to get up daily and go to work that I realized there's something not right. I'm tired all the time. Uh, couldn't think right. Couldn't walk straight. I'd be banging into things, got really clumsy. And I guess the first thing I realized that were my handwriting. I had no use in my left hand. I'm a left-handed person, so I had no use. I wasn't able to write properly. Um, and then, yeah, it just spiraled from there. I used to have my vision would be really bad and driving. Um, a lot of the time I would have to leave the car and work and someone would have to come get me because of the day. After working for the full day, I wouldn't be able to see straight or it would be blurred vision and things. So, yeah, um, but I, I think the biggest impact is not able to do lead a regular life anymore. I had to quit work and, and everything. And now most days I'm just homebound. So, Michelle, Michelle, from when you started to notice symptoms uh, and that uh -huh. things weren't quite right, and from when you got a diagnosis that identified what the problem was, how long did that take? Um, it was, I would say, about three years. And in the intervening three years, uh, I can only assume that you were going for a variety of tests that were not giving conclusive answers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I went to every, well, I was in, in Canada, I went to my GP and then I was referred on to several specialists at the time. Also in, um, because I had been to Southeast Asia uh, during, for four months in September 2013, uh, the doctor was afraid I had gotten bitten by something. So I went to infectious diseases, uh, I went to rheumatologists, um, internal specialists, and that was all in Canada. And everything came back. Uh, they had diagnosed me with fibromyalgia and, and arthritis, but I had already been diagnosed with that previously. So that was nothing new for me. Um, and I guess then when I moved to Cork, Thankfully, there's a public and private healthcare system over there. So when I went there and started getting referred, I was lucky in that we were able to go private to most of to all of the doctors. So they quickly ruled out brain tumors, anything like that, uh, anything major. MS uh, that was ruled out several times. Lupus was ruled out. But I guess I was told by several doctors that it's in my head, I'm making it up, I don't want to work, I don't, you know, uh, things like that, which everyone with ME has come across, unfortunately, uh, because you can't physically see it. There, if you look at me, there seems to be nothing wrong with me. So that's where the problem is. And it doesn't show up in, in tests, in blood tests. Um, I went, oh gosh, Seamus, the list goes on, seven or eight specialists, cardiologists, um, endocrinologists, ENTs, neurologists, mm -hmm. you name it, yeah, pulmonary doctor, I've been to them, um, and everything came back negative. Right.
So you kind of start thinking, okay, what what is it? I know I'm sick, but I can't make it up over the stairs, whereas before I could run a marathon, you right, know? Right. It, it just wasn't making any sense. So, Michelle, has anybody any idea how you contracted this, or is it something, a gene that was um, latent and that became apparent at some point? Um, there's, for me, there's nothing 100% specific that I can rule back to. A lot of people say, or a lot of, I guess, of the research leads back to a virus. Now, looking back 2012, 2013, I did have quite a few viruses. I was quite ill several times during the year. Um, I did catch a really bad virus in Morocco when I went there. And then I went to Sri Lanka and got bitten by a lot. I had hundreds of bites all over my body, even though luckily I had taken all the injections and I had sprays and everything, but I still did get bitten. So whether it was from one of the viruses in 2012, 2013, or the bites, I'm not really sure. Mm. I, we haven't been able to rule an exact point. So but then, I know exactly when I started feeling sick. Right. So based on what you've been able to establish from anybody else who have had to experience what you're experiencing. Um, is there light at the end of the tunnel? Um, I think yes and no. If for me, I'm on, I did find a doctor finally in Dublin who specializes in ME, and that's how I got the official diagnosis. Um, I kind of had figured it out on her own through Google, Dr. Google, mm -hmm. uh, and ruling everything out. And because I have, uh, I had fibromyalgia, arthritis, and I had been diagnosed with underactive thyroid, it kind of fits into the autoimmune uh, neurological type of issues. So I kind of started going through those illnesses and ruling everything out. And then a friend in Dublin who's a nurse, she actually had heard of Emmy. And when she had she saw me, she had known me since 2000 so and hadn't seen me for a while because I was away for the year. Um, and when she saw me, she couldn't believe the change in me. And then that's when she – it took a few years, actually. It was, wasn't until 2016, late 2016 – that she suggested also Emmy and got the name of this doctor through colleagues of hers. She was able to get get the name of the doctor. Uh, once I went to him, he immediately put me on medication called low-dose naltroxin, or shortened LDN, and that's been my savior. Without that, I, I would think I would be just lying in a bed, tube fed, right. without LDN. So that has been a changer for me. Um, unfortunately, I haven't improved any better since I've been on it. So I've hit kind of a, a plateau, but I, I am improved compared to three three years ago. Um, but I do have my bad days, and I, I do have some okay days also. Mm. But uh, for the most part, LDN is keeping me health, somewhat healthy and I'm still not able to go out for longer. I can't leave the house for longer than two hours. If I go any longer than two hours, I'm going to have an episode and crash, um, which then means I can't see. It, it hits me different ways also on different occasions. So some days I just have no energy. I wouldn't even be able to walk and carry my own body. Um, or I can't see. My speech becomes slurred. Or when I start talking, 
what's coming out of me is very, it's, it's not making sense. It's very confused. Um, like some days I don't know Seamus' name, don't know where I am. Um, yeah, so it, it just hits you in different ways, really. Right. And have you come across others uh, in Ireland or in Newfoundland or in your um, circles in any way that uh, are suffering from the same uh, issues and that you have been able to obtain support from others? Um, not really support, but there is a couple of, um, I guess, charities, ME Trust and ME Advocates, I believe it is. But I'm involved in the ME Trust of Ireland, and we have a court group that, so each, every six months, we try to do a course, some sort of course to get everyone together, and it's a course related to our illness. So the ME Trust will will set the course up, and I liaise with a guy, The I guess he's the head of the ME Trust, and he kind of organizes all these group meetings and stuff. So I liaise with him for the court group, and since I've been diagnosed, we've done a Tai Chi, or not a Tai Chi, a Qi Kong course, uh, two kinesiology courses, and a mindfulness course. And they're usually six-week courses. Um, they're an hour to an hour and a half long. And, yeah, and it gets you out because most of the time that's the only time I would leave the house, really, for any length of time, um, unless I had a doctor's appointment. So it kind of gets you out. And everyone involved in the course has ME. Some are worse. Some are better. You know, they've, others have had it for a long, much longer than I've had it. Uh, some are there 30 years with ME. Right. Um, and again, symptoms vary. Right. And I, hear, I, I, I hear a dog barking in the background, and I'm going to ask the question, does something like having a dog around um, make life uh, more tolerable and just at times give you that sense of um, comfort? Um, well, actually, this is, um, we're at my dad's house uh-huh. on my brother's farm right now. We're, we're, I don't know if, we're actually home for Christmas. We yep. live in Ireland, so yep. we're back in the, for Christmas. So the dog is, is my brother's, so he's out. He, he enjoys barking a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I find myself, when I come back to Newfoundland, I am a lot better. My symptoms aren't as symptomatic, I guess. And one thing I notice is my migraines, I guess. I could go six weeks straight with a migraine, Um, whereas in Ireland, whereas here, it doesn't seem as bad. I don't guess. I haven't had a migraine, knock on wood, in about four trips now in Newfoundland. But, like, the last time I went back uh, to Ireland from Newfoundland, when I went home to Cork, I had, it was four weeks of pretty much every day I had a migraine. So it, it does make a big difference. Um, Seamus, I know that something like this, does your, your mind cannot be anywhere other than um, how can you help. And, yes. And I know also you must experience a tremendous feeling of helplessness because I know, you know, when you're with someone that you love and they're going through something and you just don't know what to do or how to do it or that there's nothing you can do, it can be very frustrating. Um, it is, yeah. It is. You know, it was. It was total hell at the start because uh, we, we we didn't have a clue what was wrong, yeah. and um, 
you know, I used to, I was silly now because Michelle is the kind of person that wants to work and uh, she'd come home from work and she'd spend the night in bed or she'd spend the weekend in bed so she could go back to work the next week. But I'd end up having to drive her to work and drive her home from work because she wasn't able to do it. Right. And I was begging her to quit, but she wanted to keep going no matter how bad she was. Yeah. But, um, so it was a very hard time. Eventually she was in work and she collapsed and um, had to be taken to the emergency room and after that she kind of agreed that she would quit work so she took six months off but in that six months we went to doctors, we went to ENT, we went to endocrinologists and um, like I said Michelle uh, went to all these doctors but I drove her to all these doctors appointments because in between all Michelle could do was she was lying in bed and her eyes were closed, she was she couldn't take any noise or anything that she was as white as a ghost and uh, when she spoke she didn't make any sense and from there then she'd have to I'd have to help her down the stairs and when she came down she'd just lie on the couch and wrap up and she'd keep her, mo- her eyes closed and she wouldn't speak and if she did she didn't make any sense she couldn't eat and when she did eat she was vomiting up and um, every time she got up then she'd be you know kind of using the wall to try to walk somewhere and it was just absolutely frightening altogether like you know and when we went to the doctors and she was getting tested and the tests were coming back and I lost all faith in doctors because they say, um, well, my tests show, show nothing and um, then they send us on their way. Not, I often thought, why aren't they saying, well, I don't, our tests are show nothing, like, you know, but maybe you should go to this doctor and try this and get this tested. Now, they just said, my tests show nothing and send us on their way. And a lot of them were telling her that she was making it up and that it was all in her head and um, it was a very, very hard time because I know Michelle and I know how fit and active and how much she loves life and, like, it was a different personality too because Michelle is all fun and joking and, you know, playing the clown all the time and now I'm... Michelle was, like, you know, basically, you know, a shadow of her former self and not able to do anything and not able to even speak practically, like, you know. And um, at the time as well, Michelle didn't want her family to be worried about her back here in the phone and so we weren't really telling her family much about her sickness either like you know so it was a very very hard time and um, we weren't getting a whole lot of support from the medical profession and um, as I say then it was just it was only by luck then you know when when we did find her her friend who was a nurse and recommended that it could be me and then we found the specialist in Dublin and it was by luck that was it like you know so I'd say there could be so many people out there who have the same thing and have no idea, still don't have an idea what it is, like, you know, and they're probably being dismissed by their doctors and they're just not getting any treatment or any care and uh, it's terrible, really, like, you know. But, like, thank thank God that Michelle did did find out that it was in me and that she did get this drug, this LD and drug that she's on because um, there, was, there was one period in the last three years she had to come off it. She had to get her uh, wisdom teeth done and... Um, they can't mix with the general anaesthetic facility and so she had to come off it for a month before you know and she literally went straight down uh, downhill and it was absolutely frightening altogether because she went from being on a, on a nice plateau where she was you know not, not living her normal life but she was like stable and all of a sudden then she was back to being in the bed and on the couch and not making any sense and vomiting up all her food and it was very frightening like so as soon as the operation was over, she was straight back on the LD, but it still took about, I'd say, three or four months for her to get back to the plateau that she had been previously on, like, you know.
Right, right. So it, it, it's very worrying, and it's 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 a scary time, like you know, it really yeah. is, like you know. So no. just, I'm just grateful that we are where we are now, even if it's not perfect. I know. It's it's a whole lot better than what it was, like you know. Right. So Michelle, if somebody wanted to find out more and get onto the ME Trust, is there a website that you know off the top of your head? Uh, it's, I believe if they Google ME Trust Ireland. Okay. Okay. But one one thing that I would recommend anyone that's questioning ME or know of anyone who is sick with it, um, a really good documentary to watch is On Rest. Jennifer Bria, uh, she documented her journey, and it's on Netflix, so it's free. It's free to watch. Um, but it's it's one of the best documentaries that I've ever seen on it and it really does show the day-to-day life of someone with ME and the struggle to get diagnosed and to try to get help. I see the website is imet.ie that's imet.ie if anyone is looking for more information on that. We're going to have to wrap up. I have to keep an eye on time and it has been fantastic to be able to chat to you people it's it's um, a, a wonderful and I don't mean that in a, a flippant way but it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to, sh- to share and to get to talk to you and hopefully um, help uh, get a little bit of a message out there and if anybody is suffering and can't figure out what it is that they may at least um, ask, learn to uh, find out what questions they need to ask or what direction, what path they might need to go down. Um, Seamus, Michelle, I want to thank you both for taking time and being so open and so uh, willing to chat. It's been an honour to be able to chat with you. Thanks so much. We're happy to chat about it. Like I said, we want to get awareness to and this illness for sure. Thanks for being asked. It was lovely talking to you. And again, before we wrap up, the website is www.imet.ie. And Michelle, do you want to mention that uh, documentary again? Unrest, U-N-R-E-S-T. It's on Netflix. And uh, Jennifer Bria is the lady who who uh, filmed her journey That's for, the, for, for this movie. We've been chatting with Michelle and James Hennessy on Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad.